So we're in the Gospel of Mark. We're ready for the 12th chapter. We're in the last week of the life of Jesus, actually the last four days that uh, we're coming to. But Jesus still had a lot of things to say, several things to teach, and some parables to utter, and some conflict that he had to deal with the uh, Pharisees. Before we read that in chapter 12, verses 1 through about 13, let me just say that when God created Adam and Eve, he said to them, he, he designed, he planned to actually bless the whole world. Here, uh, Adam and Eve were his image bearers. The Bible says that God made them in his own image. And they were to be the image bearers. And he said to them, now be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth with image bearers. He, that was his intention. So that the whole world eventually would become filled with those who glorified God and bore the image of the Father. And, uh, but Adam and Eve didn't do that. They sinned. They rebelled. They, uh, and they fell into sin. They didn't fall. They actually ran into sin. And, then, uh, and so God didn't, didn't give up, though. He didn't say, okay, well, that messed up my plan. Actually, all this was part of his plan. But uh, then uh, when the flood came, and started all over again with Noah and his sons and their wives. He said basically the same thing. Now fill the earth, fill the earth, subdue it. And, uh, but they didn't do it either. They failed all the way around. And then we come to the 12th chapter of Genesis where God then chose a man. And, he, he, and God just chose him. I don't know. People always ask me, why did God choose Abraham? Well, I have no idea why God chose Abraham. Uh, I don't know why God chose me. I don't know why God chooses any of us. Somebody said, how odd of God to choose the Jews. Uh, And that's that's true. Who knows why? It's all in the mind and the mystery of God. But he chose Abram, and he said to him, now I'm going to bless you. I'm just going to bless you, Abram, and I'm going to give you descendants. They'll be like the stars in the sky, and I want, I'm going to make you a blessing, listen, to all the nations of the world. So it was God's intention when he chose Abram, who was the father of all the Israelites, the father of the Jews, he said, now I am going to use your family, the Jewish people, as a means to bless the whole world. I want you to proclaim who I am and my goodness and my character to all the world. Well, they didn't do it either. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament is just a story of failure after failure after failure after failure of the Jewish people to obey God. And in fact, instead of pushing outward and spreading the news of the glory of God, they pulled inward And they became just a little tiny group of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use, Uh, self-focused, yeah. And uh, and that was, uh, uh, and then they took what was supposed to have been the message for the whole world and they just shrunk it down and then they ritualized it and they religionized it. And the next thing you know, you've got a religion rather than a message of relationship and good news. That's, that's, that's what happened. 
And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he comes to a corrupted Judaism. He comes to a place where the people who had the message and should have been the, a blessing to the whole world, they have become narrow-minded, self-centered, religionized. I know that's probably not a word, but a religionized group of people who are just uh, uh, corrupt. They're just corrupt. And so Jesus comes and he begins to preach the, the love of God, the grace of God, and, and the common people, they heard him gladly. The Bible said that, that the, the people who had been pushed out and marginalized from the religion of Judaism, they heard Jesus gladly. Even some Gentiles, non-Jewish people, heard him gladly. Gathering demoniacs and, and other people. But the religious leaders, they absolutely despised Jesus. They hated him so much. And the Bible says it's all the way along the, the, his ministry, they began, their hatred became so great, they said, we've got to get rid of him. We have to kill him. We have to get rid of him. And so uh, he did some things that uh, kind, of, uh, kind of irritated him, like going into the temple and turning over all the tables and uh, making a whip out of cords and... and and whipping people and, and driving out the money changers. That didn't make him endeared greatly to them. And then he uh, said to them, I've got a story to tell you. I want to tell you a story, a parable. And this is in Mark chapter 12. Uh, and, and I want you to just listen to this story. Now imagine Jesus, the Pharisees have come to him. They've asked him, you know, by what authority do you do these things? How, who gave you the right to do this and so forth? And so he, he answered, and we looked at that last week. But now in chapter 12, he says, beginning in verse 1, and he began to speak to them in parables. And he said, a man planted a vineyard, and he put a fence around it, and he dug a pit for the wine press, and he built a tower, and he leased it to tenants, and then he went into another country. So you see the picture here. There's this man. He owns this. He owns everything basically, and he plants a vineyard, and he gets does everything, getting it all ready, completely ready, and then he leases it out to some some men, and then he says, "Now I want you to take care of it, and I'll be coming back to." gather my part of the crop. And so he went into another country. Well, when the season came, that is the season for the harvest, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. So he sent a, a, a representative, and he said, I want you to bring back some of the fruit from that vineyard. And they took this guy, and they beat him. And they sent him away with nothing. Send him away empty hand. Can you imagine they hear that these tenants, they don't even own this property. They've been there working it, and this generous man has let them work it. And he said, I'm going to give you all of the benefit of it. All I ask is that you just give me my part. The sharecroppers, basically, is what they were. And uh, so they, he sends a servant, and the servant comes and says, well, uh, 
our master has sent me to uh, to bring back some of the some of the grapes from uh, the harvest, and they grabbed the guy and they beat him up, and they said, "We're not giving you anything. Get out of here." So he goes back home, goes back to the master, and he says. Uh, well, I, I'm going to send another servant. So again, he sent to them another servant, and this time they struck him on the head, and they treated him shamefully. And so I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if they stripped off his clothes or what, and, and they beat him on the head. The first guy they just beat, but this guy they beat him on the head. And then he sent another, and they killed this one. And so with many others, some they beat and some they kill. Now this master, the, the owner, he keeps giving them one chance after another, one chance after another to, to be responsible. Do what you're supposed to do. Send me. And, and every time he sends a servant, they beat him up, beat him on the head, treat him shamefully, and then some they kill. And he just kept sending more and more. And then finally, he still had one other, a beloved son. He said, I have one son, and I will send him to them, and they will surely respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. This is the, this is the owner's son. This is the one who will inherit this property eventually. So let's kill him. And then the inheritance will be ours. We'll, we'll get this property. And they took him. And they killed him. And they threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner do? Now, Jesus told the story. And then he turns to the Pharisees after telling the story. He said, now... What do you think that owner of the vineyard's going to do? Well, he will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. He said, "Here's what this guy's going to do. He is after they kill his son, he's going to come maybe with an army and he's going to destroy those tenants. They're going to feel the wrath of the owner." And then he will take that vineyard and he will give it to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And by the way, this is a favorite Old Testament quote that uh, Peter liked to use it, Paul liked to use it, Luke liked to use it. It's repeated about five or six times in the New Testament. Have you not read? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then the, uh, they were seeking to arrest him. The Pharisees, they said, well, we need to arrest him. But they feared the people because the people loved Jesus, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they were perceptive, weren't they? They said, I know what this story is about. So they went away. They left him and went away. Jesus loved to tell parables. 
I love to tell stories too. I think stories are a great way of getting a message across. And uh, Jesus was a great storyteller. And sometimes you can tell a story and and it's got a little barb on the end of it and nobody's prepared for it. I, <clears throat> when I was in college, boy, the racial tension in America was so great at that time and especially in the south where I lived. There was a man in our town that uh, just hated people of color. He just believed that uh, he would be what I guess they'd call a white supremacist. But he was a he was a Baptist. In fact, I think he might have even been a deacon. And so uh, I said to him one time, I said, "Now I want to tell you a story." I said, "There's a town out in California." And this town, there are a group of people there who have uh, a skin problem. They've got uh, a breaking out all over their skin. It's just kind of a, and and the, everybody in that town, and, and it's not catching or anything like that, but, but these people who have this uh, uh, severe acne-like thing all over their skin, the people, the other people in the town, they treat them just like dirt. They just treat them like they're nobody. And they won't have anything. They won't even let them come to church with them. And and I, I just kind of went on and on about it. And this guy was getting madder and madder all the time. He said, well, I just think that's terrible. Oh, oh, you know, and he was just really railing. And I said, isn't it amazing that the only thing that they hate about these people is just, their skin. And then all of a sudden, you could see the light come on. And he thought, I know what you're doing. You set me up. <laughs> and I had. And I, I probably shouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did. But I, I said to him, that is exactly the way people right here in our town are. When they look at somebody whose skin is a different color than theirs and they reject them and they don't want them in their churches, they don't want them, they don't want to work with them, they don't want to have anything to do with them. And I said, just the wrath that you said those people deserved is the wrath that prejudiced people right here in our town deserve. Well, I tell you, he got so mad at me ordered me out of his house, told me I could just leave. So the story didn't change his mind. It just made him angry. Well, these Pharisees, Jesus just set them up. He just said, uh, let me tell you a story. And he tells them the story. And all of a sudden, somewhere down along the way in the story, they realized he was talking about them. He said, uh, he'd said, you know, it was like God had given Israel so much. He just blessed them with everything. And he had said, now you are responsible to give back to me the glory that's due me. But he said instead, they just became selfish and, and self-centered. And he sent servants, which we would call the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea and all these different prophets. But what did they do with those prophets? They despised them and they beat them. And some of them they even killed. You know that. 
And then Jesus said that that master said, now I'm going to send my son. Surely they will honor my son. But rather than honoring him, they took him and they killed him, thinking this will get rid of it. And now the plantation or the vineyard will be ours. And by this time, the Pharisees are thinking, they must have been looking at one another are you thinking what I'm thinking? Is he? You think he's talking about us? And then he says, do you know what that owner is going to do? He's going to come in wrath and fury. And he's going to destroy those tenants. And he's going to take that vineyard away from them. Because they were misusing it. They were abusing it. They were using it selfishly rather than using it for the glory of the owner. And he is going to punish them. And he's going to take the vineyard and give it to somebody else. Do you know as we read the book of Acts. And as we read history that came after the book of Acts. We find out that in 70 A.D. Just about 30 years, 40 years from the time Jesus made these statements. The wrath of God expressed through the Roman armies came in and totally destroyed Jerusalem. And ended the Jewish state for nearly 1900 years. And God took that vineyard and the responsibility for that vineyard, and he gave it to another group of people called the church, the Gentile nations of the world. And he says to us today, now your responsibility is the same as their responsibility, to honor me and to give glory to me and to become a worshiper of God and a servant to one another and a message sender to all the nations of the world. You now have become my image bearer because we've been changed into the image of the one who saved us. And our message is to go out to all the world and share that good news with others. But we also have a responsibility as his image bearers to live consistently with the image that we bear. And just as God took away from Israel, at least for a long period of time, he took away from Israel the privileges that had been theirs. We're told in the book of Revelation, that if the churches will not honor him, he will come and take away their privilege. Let me just make it real personal for us today. Bear Creek Baptist Church is super, super blessed. I'm telling you, God has, we're his vineyard. We're his tenants in his vineyard.
and he has made all the preparation. He's done everything. Not we, we didn't do it. He did it. And we are beneficiaries of it. We enjoy it. And, I, boy, I just love coming to church here on Sundays. I love the blessings of being together, singing and, and worshiping and fellowshipping. But we are not saved just to be blessed. We are blessed. But the blessing is not supposed to end with us. It is to flow into us, and it is to flow out of us. That was what God intended for Adam and Eve. It's what God intended for Israel was that they would receive the blessings, and they were greatly blessed, but they were supposed to bless the nations of the world with the blessing that they had received. And because they did not, they lost the very privileges and the blessings that had been theirs. And I'm telling you, in our life as a church and in our lives as individual Christians, we have been blessed, so blessed. But God expects and requires of us that we be a blessing that we be obedient, that we be respectful, that we honor him. And I just to make it really personal for us individually, ask yourself the question, what blessings has God given to me? And many material blessings, health and, and a job and all kinds of things like that, not even to mention the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. Uh, unlimited spiritual blessings. And then ask yourself the question, what am I doing to be a blessing in light of all that God has blessed me with? In our home, we need to be a blessing. Husbands, be a blessing to your wife. Be grateful that God has given you a wife. And bless her with the blessing that God has blessed you. That's why the Bible says, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church, like he loved you. And he gave up himself for you. That's the way I am to bless my wife. I'm to look at her as a gift from God. And I'm grateful for that gift. But I'm not supposed to just look at her as a blessing I'm to look at that blessing as a means of blessing her you see so I should wake up every morning and ask myself the question how can I be a blessing to my wife how can I help her today what can I do to meet needs in her life today? And if I wake up and I think, what can she do for me? What can I get from her? Then I'm like those selfish tenants, and I will suffer loss, eventually suffer loss. 
But I need to wake up every day, and I do try to do this every day, and ask, how can I serve my wife today? How can I find out what she needs, and how can I help, and what can I give to be a blessing to her? And she does that for me. And we do that with our children. We should ask every day. God has blessed me so much. How now can I let that blessing flow out to those that are the closest to me? They're the ones that should receive it first. And then I go beyond that. And I say, how can I be a blessing in my church? What can I do to serve others here? How can I help? See, love always asks those three questions. What do you need? How can I help? What can I give? That's, that's the questions that love asks. And if we're not asking that que- those questions... We're probably asking the opposite questions. What do I want? What, do you, what can you do for me? And what can you give to me? That's the questions the tenants were asking. They said, we're claiming this totally unaware that none of it was theirs. All of it was a gift. All of it was a blessing. And because of their selfishness and their self-centeredness and their asking the wrong questions, they ended up dishonoring the servants, killing the son, and ultimately losing their own life and what could have been, and losing the blessings that had been theirs. I say to us today, husbands, wives, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, fellow Christians, what will we do with the blessings that God has given to us? He has given us a vineyard. He has provided all. He has dug the pit. He has set up the tower. He has put a wall. He's made it everything that needed to be done and then he said now I want you to enjoy it but I want you to use it responsibly as good stewards of the blessings I've given to you now men women you boys and girls here's our question will we recognize God's authority and God's blessing in our life and will we recognize our responsibility to use those blessings in order to be a blessing. So what God said to Abram, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. God says to us, I will bless you 
And oh my goodness, he has blessed us, hasn't he? And I will make you a blessing. I will bless you with the gospel, but then you are to share that gospel. I will bless you with my grace and love, but now you're to share that grace and love. And if we don't, we may end up losing the blessings that we've received. So I just charge all of us today to enjoy the blessing. Thank God for the blessing. Magnify and uh, uh, enumerate the blessings. God, you've just blessed us with so much. But then we must ask the question, how do I share that blessing? How do I share it in my home? How do I share it with those that are the closest to me? How do I say to to those the closest to me the way God has treated me? That's how I want to treat you. The way God has loved me, that's how I want to love you. The way God has forgiven me and been patient with me, that's how I want to forgive and be patient with you. And that's the way the blessing of God is supposed to work. These tenants, they should have been saying, how can we thank the owner? How can we serve the owner? How can we give back to him and to others from the blessing that he's given to us? And that's the question I want to ask that I want you to ask today. Let's bow our heads together as we as we pray this morning, just just take just a minute and just think of the ways God has blessed you. Just just kind of enumerate them. Just list them in your mind. The blessing that God has given to you. Just think about all the provision that He's made for you. And then ask yourself the question In what ways Am I withholding that blessing from those that are the closest to me and from my from, from and from those in concentric circles out? Am I withholding the blessing? Or am I sharing the blessing? And then could you just make a personal decision today? God, I will bless those nearest me and those around me because you have blessed me so much. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this parable and I know that those who heard it understood it. They understood that they had been blessed so much but they were not being a blessing. And you took away that blessing and gave it to others. And Father, we don't want that to happen in our life. We want to be able to be good stewards, responsible stewards with the blessings that you've given to us. And I pray that you'll help every husband here today to thank you for the gift of his wife. And then to ask the question, how can I bless 
How can I serve? How can I love just as you've loved me? And I pray that every wife here today will say, God, thank you. Thank you for my husband. How can I serve? How can I love? How can I forgive? How can I bless him? And then help us to do that with our children and children with their parents. And then help us as a church family to look within our family and not ask how can others serve me, but how can I pour out the blessing on others that you've poured into my life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.